Welcome to Belly Dance Alchemy, a captivating blend of the best elements of career and professional development and the magic of belly dance. I'm your host, Kelly Nottingham. Ready to make your day job sparkle and your dance life grow in new and inspiring ways? Let's see what we can brew up. Hi, listeners. I am so excited about today's episode. I've been waiting for a while to do this one, and I guess the time is right. So I've got good news and bad news for you today. The good news is we're going to be talking about communication styles and how to identify your communication style today. The bad news is there's not really a way to do that scientifically, no matter how many assessments or quizzes or style inventories that you take. But the additional good news is that we can still work with style inventories and assessments, including the little super quick version of one that we're going to do today to understand ways, plural ways, that we may communicate, depending on lots of different variables in the situation that we may be in. Now, it may surprise some of you to hear me say that assessments for personality or work style or communication styles aren't really effective. After all, I've been teaching several different types of communication style assessments for years in my corporate work. I'm even certified in some of them. So really what it comes down to is this. Personality and communication assessments, in my opinion, have two big issues. First of all, the human personality is exceptionally complex. And there is lots of discussion in the field of psychology that has been going on for hundreds of years. We've been trying to figure this out over the course of thousands of years, how to best understand the makeup of the human personality. And the thing is, when we try to put ourselves into a box to say, I am this way or I am that way, well, it depends on a lot of different things. I mean, I'm sure there are days where you feel maybe more introverted than extroverted or days where you may feel super persuasive and influential or days when you feel more organized. The human personality and the ways in which our personalities manifest in the world including in our communication, is extremely complex. So putting ourselves into a box to say, I am this way, ignores the fact that our style can change and fluctuate based on the context, on the content of what we're trying to communicate, the people who are involved, the situation, the subject matter, and so on. So it's truly impossible to categorize someone as one specific way and expect that to work for all the situations that that person faces. Now, the other big issue with personality assessments of different kinds and communication assessments, including the ones that I've trained in, is that frankly, they're not really based on super solid science. For example, an integral foundational piece of many personality assessments that are huge on the market, things like the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which you might have heard called the MBTI. DISC, True Colors, and so many other assessments are based on the ideas of Carl Jung. Now, Jung has been in a large part discredited by much of the psychological world as being kind of an idea guy, but not a let's base this in science and research kind of guy. These assessments are also very subjective, meaning that we take a quiz, we read and answer the questions, and we interpret the results for ourselves. And even if we don't interpret the results for ourselves, there's another human being interpreting the results. So I'm sure you can start to see the problem with this right away. 
Yes, we may know ourselves fairly well, but we also have a lot of difficulty identifying our blind spots. Someone, for example, who has a narcissistic personality won't necessarily identify themselves as being a narcissist. Instead, they're just going to say that they're awesome. Or a person who comes across as really aggressive to others may actually see themselves as just being assertive. And because we tend to view certain personalities as desirable, we can actually skew our results during the assessment process in order to try to get that desired style versus what our style might actually be. Now, to build on this, just as a super quick side note, if you are a hiring manager or you're in HR, please be extremely cautious about using these types of assessments in your hiring and management processes. If you're currently in a workplace that does use assessments like this for any type of HR decision making, please go back and look at the assessment provider's guidance around this. Most of them will actually very clearly state that they are not to be used for hiring and performance management, and they can actually put you and your company in some serious legal hot water. Okay, side note over and back to the good news. Now, just because these types of assessments may have some issues, it doesn't mean that we have to give up on them completely. They can still help us understand ourselves and others and communicate more effectively if we approach them in a healthy way. So here's how I like to think about them. They hold up a mirror to us so that we can figure out how to do better. I like to think of them as archetypes that we can use to say, is this style how I usually communicate? And is this style an effective approach? Is there another style that might be more useful to try in this situation? This approach allows us to see communication styles and any type of personality assessment as lenses to observe ourselves and others in a more objective way. And it can hopefully take out some of the ego that can be associated with identifying the good with our particular style and avoiding looking at the drawbacks of our style. It also gives us an opportunity to start problem solving around better ways to communicate instead of just expecting someone to adjust to us and our way of doing things. So with all of that now being said, and I've put it out there on the table, By the time we finish this episode, you should know a whole lot more about your preferred style or styles of communication, and hopefully a little bit about the preferred styles of the people around you as well. You'll also learn some ways to flex your preferred style to more effectively communicate with others. But first, we have to discuss what effective communication actually means. So what is communication? It's the sharing and exchange of information. Now, sharing and exchanging are two different things. Sharing is the process of giving out information. Exchanging means that the recipient actually understands. So it's not just telling someone and saying, well, I did my part. It's not my fault if you didn't get it. For communication to happen effectively, it must be an exchange, meaning that information is both given and received, shared, and understood. I'm sure we've all been on that frustrating side of a conversation where we think we understand something that maybe our boss has told us to do, 
But then we find out later the boss didn't actually communicate their expectations very well. And we end up working on something that we then have to completely scrap and start over. It is frustrating. So that is what communication actually is. Now, we tend to think of communication as being verbal communication. However, communication is also largely nonverbal. Gestures, facial expressions, body posture, and tone of voice. In fact, again, exact percentages are difficult to nail down with research, but it is generally agreed that the majority of our communication comes from nonverbal communication. I've seen statistics on this range from 60% of our communication being nonverbal all the way up to 90%, depending on whose report you read. Now, the key thing to note here is that, yes, our communication tends to be heavily nonverbal. So as we go through our exercise in just a few minutes, I want you to think about how your verbal and nonverbal communication can show in your preferred style or styles. So let's get into our assessment. So our style kind of assessment that we're going to be doing today is a super simplified DISC assessment. DISC, spelled D-I-S-C, is one of the most popular communication and personality assessments available today and is frequently used in a corporate setting to help teams work more effectively together. I myself have done countless DISC workshops to help teams work effectively together, communicate better, and build stronger communication within their team. It's also great for people who are leaders who want to communicate more effectively as a leader. So we're going to start off with me asking you some questions. Now, while you're doing this, please avoid the temptation to say, Well, I'm sometimes this way, but sometimes I'm a different way. Instead, I want you to think of how you normally behave on a day where nothing bizarre has happened in an interaction that you have regularly. Ideally, maybe as we're going through this, you can think of a couple of interactions with different people. The goal here is for you to understand what I like to call your factory default settings. You want to understand, on average, where your natural tendency lies. So we're going to start by looking at two dimensions, or if it helps you to think of it this way, two different spectrums. So the first, fast-paced on one end of the spectrum and moderate-paced on the other end of the spectrum. Fast-paced folks have a high energy level They tend to be very active, to be outspoken and assertive. They're comfortable with risk. These are the let's do something about it kind of people. Now, on the opposite end of that spectrum, we have moderate paced people. These people have a lower energy level, a calmer energy level. This can show up as being more internal or reflective and less assertive. These folks may be less comfortable with risk. They are the let's think about it before we do anything kind of person. So where do you fall on that spectrum? Do you fall more toward the fast paced side or more toward the moderate paced side? If a situation came your way, what's your first gut response to how you'd react? Would you jump into action, fast paced, or would you think first and then do moderate paced? So that's spectrum one. The next dimension is skeptical 
on one end and accepting on the other. Now, the skeptical end of the spectrum, these people tend to question things. They tend to be naturally a little bit more cynical. They may challenge others, either outwardly or inwardly. Maybe they don't want to say anything out loud. People who strongly align on this end of the spectrum tend to want data and information. Now, on the opposite end of this spectrum is the accepting side. These people tend to be trusting of others. They tend to show outward signs of friendliness. They want social harmony and they value empathy. These are people who enjoy connecting with other people. So where do you fall on that spectrum? If a situation came your way, what's your first gut response to how you'd react? Would you question whether things will work out? Or would you focus on making sure everyone cooperates together? Skeptical and accepting. So those are the two dimensions or the two spectrums that we're going to be talking about today. I want you to identify which side of those two lines that you would be on, either the fast-paced, high-energy, assertive risk taker, or would you be more on the moderate-paced, internal, reflective, and risk-averse person? Figure that one out, and then ask yourself, would you be more of the questioning, skeptical type or the trusting, empathizing type? We're going to talk about each of these preferred styles. So let's start with those fast-paced types. Now, if you said, I am fast-paced and I'm more on the skeptical side, then you are a dominance style or a D. If you said that you're fast-paced and accepting, then you're more of an influence style or an I. Now let's go to the moderate-paced types. If you felt like you were more moderate-paced and accepting, then you're a steadiness style, or an S. And if you were moderate-paced and skeptical, then you're a conscientiousness style, or a C. So now I'm going to go into a little bit more information about each one of these styles and how they tend to communicate. Let's start with our fast-paced skeptical type. That is the dominance style. Now, you might be able to guess from the name, but this style tends to be a bit, I don't know, dominant. They tend to be very direct. They like taking authority. They like telling people what to do. They love being in charge. This style tends to be goal-oriented and very competitive. So if you find that you are a dominance style, you like to take charge, and if nobody else is going to lead, you are very willing to jump into that role. One thing to think about as you're communicating with others is that your style can sometimes come across as being a little bit aggressive sometimes even to the point of being rude or bullying. So just something to keep in mind there. The dominant style tends to want fast results from whatever it is that they're working on. So there tends to be propensity, let's say, to not let other people take time to think. There's a lot of pressure to make decisions quickly. And so dominant style people, if you are out there, you may want to just be aware that other people might need a little bit of space to think, and they might need a little bit of patience from you uh, if they want to process before they share their ideas. 
All right, so that was our dominant style. Next to our other fast-paced style, but this is the fast-paced accepting type. This is the influencing style, the I style. Now, this style, you folks are very people-oriented, and influencers tend to like to be the center of attention. They tend to be very upbeat, very optimistic, and very, very talkative. With this enthusiasm and drama that they bring to every situation that they're involved in, there is a tendency, influencers, to talk over people. Uh, you might be an interrupter in conversations, and you feel bad about it because you think about it after the fact, but sometimes it's like, if I don't say this right now, I'm going to forget about it. Sometimes people can be patient with that, but you might find that other people will not want to deal with that. This style also tends to be uh, very comfortable with risk and dramatic, wears their emotions on their sleeve, and will talk sometimes about things that make other people feel uncomfortable. A lot of influencers don't know a stranger, which means, for those of you that may not be familiar with that phrase, it means that they approach everybody like they've known them all of their lives. And influencers, you'll talk to everybody. People who may be a bit more reserved might not know what to do with you because you may come off as um, a little bit unpredictable for them. Um, they might not be sure what's going on. The last thing I'll mention about influencers, and this is just from my own perspective because you might not have noticed this, but I'm an influencer big time. We get distracted really, really easily. So where the dominant style tends to want to just jump from one thing to the next and get them off of the to-do list, influencer types will skip from one thing to the next in a very distracted way. So uh, if you're communicating to someone and you find that you're getting lost frequently in your own brain and the stuff that's coming out of your mouth doesn't make any sense to the person that you're talking to, you may need to focus more on getting across your key points first and then filling in around it. All right, so that was our influence style. Now let's go to our two moderate paced types. If you were a moderate paced accepting type, that steadiness style, you tend to be patient, very loyal, persistent. You aren't very comfortable with risk and you tend to be non-confrontational. You don't like pressure very much, but you do enjoy being around other people. As I mentioned earlier, the steadiness style tends to be the harmonizers of a group. They want for everybody to have say they want for everybody to feel involved, for everyone to feel that they've been treated fairly and that everybody's voice has been heard. Now, because this style tends to be moderate paced, and you're going to hear me talk about this with our conscientiousness style as well, the steadiness style likes to take time to process how they're feeling about a situation before they speak. For those of you who find that you are a steadiness style, sometimes I would wager people will share an idea with you or ask you a question. And if you aren't sure how to answer, you maybe just give a sort of non-committal answer and think to yourself, I'll come back later when I feel a little bit better about what I want to talk about. But you end up never doing that because that other person has already moved on. So steadiness style, it is fine that you like to take time to process 
That's wonderful. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It just means that sometimes you might have to advocate for yourself a little bit, especially if you're talking to one of those dominance or influence style people, because they have probably moved on to the next thing while you're still kind of working through your feelings about whatever it was that the conversation was about. Now, steadiness style also has a tendency to take on other people's work because they want to help. And steadiness, that's something for you to be aware of, is to not take on the work of other people. No, as a word, is going to be a challenge for you because you don't want to cause conflict, but no is your friend. So find ways to say no in a way that makes you feel comfortable, but that sets boundaries for you. All right, our fourth style, last but definitely not least, is our moderate-paced and skeptical type. This is the conscientiousness style. Now, the conscientiousness style wants information, and then they want to take time to think about it. This style in particular will think but not speak until after they've gotten all the information that they feel like they need to be able to come up with a great, correct answer. This style, because they tend to be less focused on people and on empathy as much, can sometimes come off as aloof. It doesn't mean that they aren't friendly, nice, wonderful people and conscientiousness folks listening. I I want you to hear that. Uh, I want other people to hear that, that you are wonderful, kind, fantastic people. It's just that you live in your head more than a lot of the other styles do. And that can cause you to sometimes come off as being a little bit aloof. This style also has a tendency to be both perfectionistic and have difficulty making decisions because of perfectionism. So when you're communicating conscientiousness style, it is perfectly acceptable to tell others that you need time to think, you need time to gather information, and you will get back to them with an answer without feeling pressure to try to give an answer right away without the information that you need. Set yourself some boundaries for what good enough is, though, because there's always going to be more information for you to gather. For both of these two moderate-paced styles, the steadiness style and the conscientiousness style, you will need to take extra steps sometimes to build boundaries, especially if you are communicating with a dominance or influencing style person, because your boundaries are going to feel and look different from a dominance or influencing style person. And it's not that these other styles uh, don't want to be respectful of your boundaries. It's just that sometimes dominance and influence styles may not pick up on what your boundaries are. Both of those fast-paced types tend to be very direct. And so if you don't tell them, I need time to think about this before I respond, they're not necessarily going to realize that that's what's happening. All right, so that was a little bit about how each one of these styles tends to communicate. This is just barely scratching the the surface of this. There's so much more information, but hopefully this has given you a little bit of a perspective on maybe how you prefer to communicate. So here are some overall thoughts to share now that we've talked about the styles. 
First off, we tend to think of our own style as being the best. Every style thinks that their style is the best. This can cause us to show a preference for people who are like us. And this is one of those cognitive biases that goes back to when human beings were first starting to live in communities together. We show a preference for people who are like us, who communicate like us, who look at the world the same way we do. However, and this might actually be one of the facts of this here podcast, any strength that we overuse can become a weakness. We don't tend to see the underbelly of our own preferred communication style, and this can cause us to have some really big blind spots, especially if we lock ourselves in and say, I am this style. The great news is that we have both ends of these spectrums in us. A lot depends here on the situation in which we're communicating and the other people that we're communicating with. So this is the next big thing I wanted to talk about here. We naturally can flex and move between these four styles and everything in between. What we just talked about were your preferences on a spectrum of gray, not a black or white answer. This isn't about putting you in a box. This is just about saying this is maybe the default way that you tend to communicate much of the time. Now, what that means is that we do have characteristics of all four of these styles in us, and it means that we can pull from these characteristics so that we can be more effective in whatever situation that we're in. Some people are naturally able to flex their style more than others, but we are all able to flex our styles. So think about a time when you tried to communicate with someone who was maybe a very different style from you. When you tried your own style and that didn't work, did you just try your own style even harder? And then that didn't work either? And you weren't sure what to do? When you meet someone halfway with their style, communication gets much easier. So for example, if you are a conscientiousness style, and you are getting ready to have a meeting with someone who is an influencing style. This means that they are an opposite of you. You may be aware that this influencing person is probably going to get off task pretty quickly, and they're going to talk a lot, and the meeting is going to get off track if you don't have a very clear agenda of what you need to cover and to help bring that person back onto line with what you need uh, to focus on. Likewise, that influencing person going into a meeting with a conscientiousness style person will know that that conscientiousness person will probably want a lot of data. And so having an enthusiastic presentation to talk about this great project that you're excited about isn't necessarily going to get that conscientiousness person on board. You're going to have to bring some data with you to convince them and then know that they're going to need some time to process. The same thing works with our other opposites. So our dominance style and our steadiness style are opposites of each other. Our dominance style, if you are working with a steadiness person, you will need to be aware that perceived conflict or feeling that they might be letting you down in some way is going to cause that steadiness person to strive for harmony. 
And what that means is that they're probably going to back down if you pressure them. They're also going to want to know the impact on the people around them. They're going to want to take some time to process. Steadiness, folks, if you are going in to work with a dominance person, you may need to put on some directness boots before you walk into that room and know that you're going to need to tell them what you need and advocate for yourself. Understand that a dominance style person does not understand conflict in the same way that you do. They see conflict as natural and normal and not to be avoided. So you can go in knowing that you're able to share an opinion and they're actually looking to you to share an opinion. That's not conflict. That's just sharing your opinion. Now, you may say, well, how can I know someone else's style if I haven't seen their assessment results or they haven't listened to this podcast? Well, first of all, share the podcast with them. Secondly, you can recognize someone else's style or get an idea for it simply by observing them. Do they tend to be direct and authoritative? They're a dominant style. Are they chatty and personable? They're probably an influencing style. Are they quiet and observing? They're probably a conscientiousness. And if they're friendly and calm, then they're probably a steadiness. Now for dance. All of the above is true for verbal communication within a dance context. Whether you're in class, whether you're teaching a class, whether you're working within a troop setting, whatever the case may be. However, I want to add on a whole other layer onto this dancers because dance in itself is a form of nonverbal communication. After all, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to express emotion and ideas to our audience through our bodies. That is completely nonverbal communication. And we can express our preferred style here too, maybe without even realizing that we're doing it. So if you are a dominance style dancer, you will be driven, you will be very confident on stage, and you will want results. You may be more likely than most other styles to want to enter and win competitions. It may cause you to be very competitive with other people in your dance school. And you may be the type that wants to wear super bright costumes. You want to be front and center in every performance that you do. Influencing styles. You tend to be very charismatic and energetic and you focus on freedom on stage. Your goal is to share your love and your excitement with the audience as much as possible. And you're going to give every ounce of energy that you have to the audience who's watching you. Conscientiousness style as a dancer is going to be very detail-focused, very analytical, and will want data and information. The conscientiousness styles are our researchers of the dance, and they're going to want to know that things are right with a capital R. Our steadiness style as a dancer tends to be very patient and cooperative and wants stability in dance. So our steadiness style most likely enjoys dancing in a troupe setup versus dancing by herself or himself because you like that whole group community feel and you want everybody to get along. You love the synergy that comes with dancing in a group. All right, so 
There are benefits to each one of these style approaches to your nonverbal dance communication, but there are potentially challenges as well. So here are some questions for you dancers. How does my preferred style affect how I approach the dance overall? So in practicing, in classes, and so on. How does my preferred style show when I perform? So for example, do you perform specifically for people of your own style, maybe without even realizing it? What could you do to exhibit other communication styles in your dance to appeal to all of the communication styles who are sitting in your audience? All right, it is time to take this one for a final spin. We have covered quite a bit in this little tiny mini communication styles workshop. I have so much more information on this and it pains me to stop here, but I don't want to make this too terribly long. So here we go with our wrap up of this episode. Over the next few days, become an observer of yourself. So how does your preferred style show up in how you communicate? In what situations maybe does it come out stronger than it normally does? In what situations do you maybe see other styles trying to come out? Now think of a situation that you're currently working through. Maybe it's with someone that you don't seem to be communicating very well with. How could communicating by flexing into another style help the communication along? All right, everyone, I hope that this has been an informative and fun episode for you. I would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas on this. Uh, If you have ever taken any of these style assessments and you want to share your thoughts on that with me, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. If the pandemic lockdown has made you aware of some major changes you want to make in your career or dance life, I can help. Maybe you realize you hate your current job or that you're holding yourself back from making a big life change that deep down you really want. Now is the time to start building momentum for the future. I've spent my career in professional development and training at Fortune 100 companies, leading training initiatives and coaching people from frontline employees to executive level leaders to improve their relationship to their work, their colleagues, and themselves. If you think some non-judgmental support and gentle nudging would help you to get going, give me a call to discuss one-on-one coaching and consulting. If your organization or company is ready for an injection of new ideas, energy, and practical tools to improve company culture and efficiency, let's chat. I have off-the-shelf workshops ready to bring to your organization on topics like effective communication, change management, presentation skills, and a suite of leadership development workshops, just to name a few. Custom workshops are also an option. For a 30-minute complimentary consultation, email me at bellydancealchemypodcast at gmail.com, go to bellydancealchemy.org, or reach out to me on LinkedIn or via the links in the podcast notes so we can see if I'm a good fit for your needs. Well, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and share the magic with your dance friends. If you want more, you can sign up for our mailing list at bellydancealchemy.org or you can email me your suggestions and feedback. I would love to hear from you at bellydancealchemypodcast 
at gmail.com. Bye.